0: Hi, I'm Jesse. And I'm Forrest. And this is The Crosscut, a podcast that contextualizes the news of the day with the story, themes, and motifs of a treasured-
1: Or indicted-
0: Piece of cinema.
1: That's right. Uh, There, there, We'll get into the differences between this movie and the book that it's based on. Oh, okay. Uh, But that is one difference, uh, that there, in the book, it resulted in uh, an indictment rather than what Actually Happened, which we'll talk about. Spoilers. Yeah, well, I mean, we're, we're going to spoil this movie because guess what? It's, uh came out in 1997. So if you have been putting it off on your list to watch the movie Absolute Power, n- now's the fucking time.
0: <laughs> right, right. I mean, like, you actually, know. Actually,
1: now's not the time. The movie is not good, but we'll get into it.
0: Oh, goodness. Okay. Uh, well, spoilers for your opinion. then yeah. I, I actually, we haven't talked about it, so I don't know yeah. what you think about this. I'm film coming yet. in hot.
1: It's not, right. not good.
0: Oh, okay. Okay. Um, I am going to save my opinion good. until okay. we get there. But uh, yeah, we are talking about the movie *Absolute Power*, a movie in which the United States president has a sex scandal, which is then covered up, and results in mayhem. Yeah, you
1: know, and since our I,
0: justice system.
1: Since I already gave my opinion on the movie, yeah. I'm gonna just keep going in reverse, okay. and I want to quote this uh, from a New York Times critics review by Janet Maslin. Um, who said, Mr. Eastwood directs a sensible-looking genre film with smooth expertise, but the plot is quietly berserk. (laughs) And I'm I'm like, yeah, that's right. A a sitting president would never cover up a sex scandal in order to uh, shield the ability to make money from one of his private investors.
0: Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, I do. Did she get into any specifics about the specific Plot points with which she takes issue. I did
1: not read the full review, so I don't know mm, okay. uh, because I'm not that interested. <laughs> but, right? Uh, but yeah, I mean, we can talk about the ones that I had an issue with.
0: Well, yeah, we can get into that yeah. for sure. Uh, I'm sure. I'm I'm sure that you will not hold back yes. uh, when we get there. But uh, yeah, we are obviously
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: covering the big news of the week, which was um, the the Trump indictment yeah. and arraignment.
1: I think it was announced last week on Thursday, yeah, and then he was arraigned this week on Tuesday. So correct, a bit of a, a long process. We we could we didn't have time to cover it last week because we were already well into research and, and watching a different movie. Um, so we decided to do it this week, and uh, yeah, it's it's uh, going to be a lot <laughs> of detail from what I understand uh, from your research.
0: Yeah, I mean, I tr- truly um it's been a very long six years or no mm. how long how long seven? seven. Seven years um since all of this happened and i have completely memory hold had completely memory hold all of it because yeah. because it's my depressing my goodness why would i want to keep this information in my brain yes i'm one of the things I pride myself in is my ability to immediately forget most things if they are unimportant to me. And, and forgetting all of this was, was wonderful. And I jumped right back into (laughs) all of it for this podcast, for you, dear listeners, for you, dear husband. Can
1: I, can I just tell you the one thing that I remember? Okay. Stormy Daniels described his penis as looking like one of the mushroom characters from Super Mario Brothers.
0: I didn't need to know that. The, I the
1: Super t- Mario Brothers movie coming out this weekend. Oh, what a plug. <laughs> oh. So if, even- you go, if you go see that movie with some kids, just keep that thought in your mind. An even more
0: disgusting plug than the ones on Trump's head. Hey, bada bing. Got got the jokes, folks. Yeah,
1: all right. (laughs) Uh, But with that said, let's just go ahead and dive into the movie and the news story overlaps.
0: Yeah, let's do it. Quick note, everybody, wanted to just say that we get particularly heated in this episode, and there might be a little bit more cursing and uh, profane language than typical, although we we curse.
1: Yeah, we're salty, uh, but especially so in this episode because we're dealing with bad men. So we have to we have to talk about it.
0: Right, we're dealing with bad men who also use bad language, and so you know, yeah. if they get to, then why shouldn't we?
1: There you go, equal rights. <laughs> <laughs>
0: this past Tuesday, former President. Donald J. Trump. <laughs> it
1: doesn't roll off the tongue, does it?
0: <laughs> <laughs> Still just gets stuck there. <laughs> I was thinking you were going to cut that out, but let's keep going. <laughs> uh Former President Donald J. Trump made history by becoming the first U.S. president ever to be charged with a crime after leaving office. Yeah,
1: the way that you looked at your notes when you read that <laughs> sentence out is like you had to make sure that it's like, no, that can't be right. That's not that's not what that says. My brain still has
0: not accepted this timeline. <laughs> yeah, um, it still is. It, you know what? I agree. I agree with the. The person who wrote that review you just read, yeah, um, it is unbelievable. It, it is, is it is bananas that we are in this situation yeah. because who could believe that the American people would be so stupid and easily duped as to elect this obviously corrupt con man to the highest office in the land and still stand by him. i'm 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 going to have to pull You're this proclaimed. back. yeah, yeah. I got to pay I have to pace myself,
1: so here's the thing. <laughs> I'd just like to remind everyone that we didn't actually elect him, right? He <sighs> lost he lost by two and a half percent in the popular vote. And and that's against Hillary Clinton. He lost by more against Joe Biden. But the way that we have designed the system is, in fact, anti-democratic. So the Electoral College being one of those pieces, gerrymandering, the Senate, the Supreme Court, all of those other pieces uh, have designed... Uh, a nice little safety net for the anti-democratic, pro-fascist forces of the country, like Donald Trump, to be able to just weasel his way into office and say, well, those are the rules. I get to be uh, elected, even though I didn't actually win. So. Right.
0: Well, here's a, here's a little touch of good news. This week, Wisconsin elected Judge Janet Something Prowasayevits. Rather. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Very long last name that's difficult to say. Anyways, Justice Janet um, to the state Supreme Court, right. which is going to be pivotal in swinging the court in a more liberal um, direction. And let's be clear what that
1: means. That means that she is going to help protect the pro-choice and bodily autonomy of women in Wisconsin.
0: Right. They'll be able to strike down their like literally almost medieval uh, anti-choice laws that they are now subject to that have been around since like the 1800s. They're also going to have gerrymandering and election law uh cases yeah. on you know the, that come before the court and and so things are are looking better for the cheese state as of right now and, and maybe hopefully for 2024
1: uh yeah that's cool uh do you know who else loves cheese who gene hackman okay uh, I, get- <laughs> I don't actually know if he loves cheese or not I, I, he looks like a guy who would be down for like a nice camembert no that's not true he does not look like that guy at all he's a he's an american <laughs> slice of cheese kind of guy uh this has gone off the rails already but here's the thing Gene Hackman uh yeah. is one of the co-leads in this movie Absolute Power along with uh Clint Eastwood mm-hmm. they actually don't share any screen time right, yeah. at all in this movie uh, which I thought was was kind of an interesting choice but um the the setup of the movie is Clint Eastwood plays a professional thief he's the one of the best to ever do it or whatever he works with his hands He does uh and and <laughs> The beginning of the movie spends, I would say, about fifteen minutes doing absolutely nothing. <laughs> I,
0: I I resented this part of the movie. Yeah. Just the movie has started. Yeah. We know it's more than two hours long. Yeah, we're spending our precious time after the kids go to bed to watch this film, and they spend fifteen minutes watching, like, watching this guy bring his groceries in from the car.
1: Yeah, he's he's uh, at a museum. And like sketching a painting that's on the wall. And that never comes back. No. It, as like a relevant part of the character, as like plot development, nothing. It's just a place for him to be. Uh, well, anyway. So he, uh, he is most importantly a, a thief who has his sights set on this billionaire's mansion. He breaks into this house. He uses this really interesting technique to get into the house called having a key i don't right. know i don't know why that's a thing that uh, master thief has to you know like it seems like he well, just... he,
0: he, he did a stakeout of the yeah. thing he went to the place that does their security and yeah. t- did a stake out of that place and then typically broke in though
1: and... when you're doing a heist it's like okay we've got you know mission impossible style coming in from the ceiling mm-hmm. and are crawling in through the ductwork wherever he's like i know i'll open the front door <laughs> and then i'll walk in and i will turn off the alarm great okay cool like it's it's not the most thrilling element of the movie i'll say that
0: sure i would i'd be willing to wager just in defense of the movie i know Uh, that you're you're not but i would be willing to wager that some of the best heists are probably the ones that are the most boring you don't really want a lot of tension like you want easy in easy out grab all the jewels don't watch the president murder
1: someone right IRL, that's probably true. Yeah. In my movies, I need a tiny little Chinese <laughs> dude to slip inside of a vault of a of a container and be pushed into a vault and then do some acrobatics around the room. Sure. I'm talking Oceans Eleven. I know, yes. Okay.
0: Yes. I had to start for a moment. I was like, what's happening with this sentence? <laughs> <Yes. We're... laughs> uh yeah. No, we want we want flash yes. and, and razzle dazzle. Yeah. I get it
1: and, and uh, Eastwood is not the director for that so he he in addition to starring in this film also directed it um this was I believe his 14th uh directorial really? uh, outing I'm sorry 19th 19th movie as a director it was his 40th movie as an actor right and he was 67 when this movie came out he is 93 right now and is currently working on directing another movie called juror number two so
0: oh he looked much older than 67. Well, in and this he film. plays
1: older. Like that's the whole thing. Is like in this movie, he's like, I'm just this old guy. I'm not the kind of guy who could go out a window on a rope. Uh, uh. He calls Ed Harris young man at one point in this movie. Like, just put keep that in mind. Eastwood has been doing the old man shtick for the last 30 years.
0: I wonder if they gave him makeup to make him look older and like they aged him up for this role.
1: No, I think he has just lived a really rough life. And the fact that he's still alive is certainly a testament to something, but he is a, uh, we'll get into uh, elements of his personal life. I am surprised the man can stand,
0: uh, but we'll get there in a second. Got um, to with all those invisible chairs. Uh,
1: we're definitely <laughs> going to get to that one. Um, but so so here's the outlay of the, the start of the movie, right? Here's the setting. Yeah. So he is broken into this mansion. It's actually a real uh, castle that exists in Brooklynville, Maryland. It uh, belongs to Maryvale Preparatory School. They still hold classes and have all their administrative offices there. Okay. And actually, some of the paintings on the wall that were put there by the production design mm-hmm. were just left there <laughs> after the movie. So oh. they may still be hanging there to this day. Who okay. knows? Uh, but he breaks in, uh, discovers, that, or he, he knew that there was this vault hidden behind a mirror. Mm-hmm. Um, and he goes in and he clears out all the watches and the jewelry. There's a big drawer full of cash. It's nice to have just a cash drawer laying around.
0: Yeah. Um, Petty cash.
1: Yeah. And this is uh, this is a house, again, of a, of a billionaire. We don't know that at this point. We just know it's a rich person. We can assume. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then he, uh, as he's about to leave... He hears someone coming in, so he shuts himself inside of the vault, and that mirror is uh, has one-way glass, so he can see outside. Um, it apparently was designed uh, by the, the woman who's coming in, who is the wife of the billionaire, um, so that uh, the billionaire could sit inside on this chair and watch other dudes bone his wife. He wasn't a big fan of that, I guess. He, no. He, he later on goes on to express that that's not exactly how he wanted to go about that's, this business.
0: Yeah, that's not the solution to the problem that we had.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's right.
0: That's, that's the wrong answer to the problem of...
1: Uh, of her uh, having desire yeah. or whatever. It's like, how about you just don't marry a woman who's like 34? <laughs> right. Uh, by the way, that woman, played by the actress who plays Jan Levinson in the That's office. right.
0: That's right. A.K.A. Stormy Daniels.
1: Hey, <laughs> there it is. <laughs> uh, and so she enters the room along with uh, a gentleman played by Gene Hackman, as I mentioned before. Mm-hmm. And they, uh, for the amount of time that we dedicated in watching Clint Eastwood bring in his groceries. We dedicated considerably less time to the affair that was going on in the in the room. Eh, not and, a
0: lot to, that you need to know.
1: Yeah, it was like, oh, here is a 10-second blowjob, and we're moving on to the murder, and so, then some
0: punching. Yeah,
1: and then he like the, so the president's apparently a jackass sexual pervert. Again, this well, relates hey, to real life.
0: I'm not trying to I'm not trying to kink shame every, anybody, but he's he's a ja- he's not a jackass sexual pervert. I would say that he is a jackass uh, physical assaulter assaulter yeah
1: i mean he's yeah he's committing sexual assault here
0: yeah sexual assault yeah, you have whatever perversions you like folks
1: that's fine but i i, I guess yes. i mean he was not uh seeking consent
0: right that's yeah. the bigger thing
1: yeah um and there was a, a line i think that you mentioned that his chief of staff was like i've covered up this stuff before or whatever so it's an implication that there, he has a history of violence towards women in right. this way
0: i would imagine he likes to grab women
1: by the pussy is
0: that Fair.
1: I think that may have been uh, actually subtext of this movie. Yes, to that's right. To <laughs> quote
0: a former president. Sorry yes. for the vulgarity, but that's yeah. just, that's how presidents talk, I guess, in that's America.
1: Right. Well, when you're famous. Anyway, the the result is uh, he's uh, aggressive and violent towards Jan Levinson. Uh, I'm sorry, Jan Levinson <laughs> Gould. And uh, and she fights him off, grabs a letter opener to, to stab him. Which, I'll cover this in a second, but uh, he yells out for help, two men bust in and shoot Jan, and she dies, and then they have to go and cover it up.
0: Right, well, and I I was yelling this at the DV as we were watching this, but I just, I get so upset when you have somebody in a movie that's like so fixated on like the one solution and it's like you don't have to reach all the way across the room to grab this letter opener. There's vases. There are are vases. You have hands free. Grab a vase and bash him over the head with it knock the table over on top of him, kick him in the face. Like there's yeah. there's so many things that you could do that's yeah. not just this letter opener, which you can get to eventually. Yeah.
1: You know? <laughs> there's plenty of time for stabbing.
0: <laughs> right. And then once you start stabbing, don't stop stabbing. Right, because
1: you got him in the arm.
0: Yeah, and then get him in the neck. And there's, then she, yeah. Yeah, there's, there. The, it just, it's frustrating to watch a scene yeah. like this where I say to myself, oh no, no, don't. Yeah. Don't stop until you're safe.
1: <laughs> yeah. So here's here's the other part to this. Right? Yeah. He's the goddamn president, which we don't know at the time. Which we don't know at the time, but she does. Mm-hmm. And I would assume Clint Eastwood's character hiding in the room right. knows.
0: He has to know. Like, he, and, yeah, it's like he so, seems more like amazed that he's watching this affair happen. Yes.
1: Neither of them, but he he goes on to comment later in the movie. He's like, I watched this happen and I didn't do anything about it. Right. And it's like, okay, yeah you have to consider these characters. Like the audience didn't know it was the president, but the characters did. And they are acting in ways that indicate like they don't know that it's the president. Like you can't just reach across the room, grab a letter opener and murder the president of the United States without expecting massive consequences. So even if you feel like your life is in danger, you should be running away. There was the part where, or you should be calling for help.
0: Well, and that was the thing that she didn't do is she never called for help. She was never acknowledging the yeah. fact that there are two armed men directly outside the door. Mm-hmm. From, now, maybe, I mean, no, I was gonna say maybe she would assume that they wouldn't help, but why would she know that they wouldn't help?
1: Right. And there, this is all my, this is my point, right? Yes. It is a, a manufactured nonsensical setup that the rest of the movie is derived from, which leads me to like the the, the ultimate, like, this is not a good movie.
0: I think there were several places in this film where we had that scenario where we sort of both said the they are assuming we have more information than we actually do.
1: Right. Well, and so that I will I will uh, just make mention of this. The first time that we are clear Mm -hmm. that Gene Hackman is the president. Obviously, the two security guards come in. They could be bodyguards. We don't know that they're Secret Service. His chief of staff comes in to help out with the um, Mm cover-up, but we don't know that it's the chief of staff. We just
0: know it's some lady who's bossing people
1: around. Who's a handler, right? And so we don't know that it's the president. Obviously, you probably know from the trailer watching this movie or Mm -hmm. from reading the description, but the movie does not state that he's the president until 43 minutes into the movie. Yeah. If that's supposed to be a reveal to to heighten the dramatic tension, it's wasted because we've had to assume that or we've known it from all of the information going into the movie. It's not like they hid it in the trailer. Right. Um, it's you know, it's not like Janet Lee being killed in psycho. It's not something that is like, hey, don't hear anything about this movie. There's a big twist. There's right. like, no, Gene Hackman's the president. We put the fucking presidential seal on the cover of the movie. Mm-hmm. It's like it's it's just poorly Written, which is unfortunate because the writer of this movie is is like a, a legend in Hollywood. Um, it is this guy by the name of hold on, please, William Goldman. William Goldman wrote things like Butch Cassidy and The Sundance Kid, All the President's Men, which we almost did for the same purpose. Right. Uh he wrote The Princess Bride. Right. He wrote Marathon Man. Like the guy is a great writer. Um but it's just like, this didn't work for me. It's based on a novel by a guy by the name of uh, David Baldacci. You might have seen some of his books at your local airport.
0: <laughs> I usually skip over those books. I Yeah, I, I this is also not a movie that I would ever watch based off of just my personal preference and taste I
1: I think I've seen it because my mom loves this kind of stuff (laughs) but that's
0: what I said when we were watching it I said both our moms would have loved this movie when it came out possibly also my dad I don't know he listens I'm sure he'll tell me uh, after he hears this episode but I I feel like my mom this is definitely right up her alley (laughs) and yours as well
1: well and not only that like it was the kind of movie that was coming out in 1997 so not only did this movie come out that year, but a movie called Shadow Conspiracy, mm-hmm. and then a personal favorite of mine, Murder at Sixteen Hundred, starring okay. Wesley Snipes, who is a better actor than Clint Eastwood. Fight <laughs> me! Uh, three political murder mysteries all came out in the same year, centering around the U.S. president and the White House. So it's funny that like this was in the ethos. I wonder if it was like a real, like a Bill Clinton thing.
0: But, you, yeah, I wonder if people were like, "Oh, the office of the president is corrupt." from him, so, you know, yeah. what are movies that we can, let's buy up scripts that that showcase that.
1: Yeah. And by the way, like, uh, like people ha- with the Trump stuff yeah, have been like, well, if you're going to indict Trump for this in New York, we're going to indict Bill Clinton and whatever, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, if you have evidence to convict Bill Clinton of a crime, by all means do so. I don't right. care. Right. I don't, the law should be served equally amongst all the citizens of this country. I don't think he should get special privileges. Mm-hmm. Like,
0: well, Speaking of presidential crimes uh-huh. and also um, sex cr- uh, scandals. Sex
1: criminals. Yeah. <laughs> sex
0: scandals and cover-ups. Yeah, yeah. What if we go ahead and just refresh ourselves on- I
1: was just going to say- What we happened. <laughs> absolutely. Because we, we know what happened in the movie with right, the cover-up. Uh right. And so let's find out what happened in real life because I, I don't remember all of it.
0: mentioned it before. I, I forgot- on purpose what happened, all of the just disgusting details of the Stormy Daniels thing. Also, there have been so many scandals Mm -hmm. and there have been so many other things that have happened in the past seven years. So let's take ourselves all the way back to 2006.
1: Ooh, okay. That's a long time ago. That's a long time ago,
0: 2006. I was living in Tallahassee. I had not yet moved down to South Florida where I would eventually meet future president Trump Ugh. and work PR for one of his events.
1: Yeah, I was, where was I in 2006? I had just graduated from RPI mm-hmm. and was, depending on the time of the year, I was either in North Carolina getting ready to move to California or moved to California.
0: Yeah, I was, I was in my last year of, uh, of college, yep. but, uh, but yeah, a true story. I definitely did, uh, do PR for an event where president Trump was the chair and I, uh, met him As he was getting off of his private jet on the tarmac at a private airport in uh, Palm Beach. Wow. Yeah. Yuck. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But yeah, so 2006, Stormy Daniels uh, had sex with future President Donald Trump. Yes. And then in 2011... Uh, and I had forgotten this part. She she claims that in 2011 she was threatened by some stranger to mm-hmm. stay quiet and to not talk about whatever that affair was. What
1: was there a reason it was 2011 where that happened?
0: I I, I don't know. Just okay. I just know that that there was a lawsuit about it that we okay. can talk about later. And then in October of 2016, a month before the November 2016 elections, back when the world was still good and birds were still singing, yep. Stormy Daniels was preparing to tell the world mm-hmm. what had happened. And uh, Cohen, Michael Cohen,
1: Mm
0: -hmm. uh, Donald Trump's fixer.
1: Yeah, the uh, dumbest man in the world.
0: (laughs) The dumbest version of Olivia Pope uh, paid $130,000 to Stormy Daniels uh, in order to make sure that she stayed silent and did not tell her story to the world.
1: Yeah, and it's funny because like a lot of the people on the right who are trying to defend Trump are like, you're going to take the word of michael cohen it's like michael cohen spent the entire run-up to the election in 2016 advocating for your boy and you all wanted us to believe him then because it uh, it validated what you wanted to happen right right so what's going on oh i see what it is it's just you want to pick the narrative that fits your side well guess what we don't have to believe michael cohen he has receipts because they wrote Checks.
0: Well, so here's the thing. Yeah. Michael, you know why I'm going to believe Michael Cohen? Because why would he lie about this only to end up spending three years in prison? Right. Yes. Uh, that's just the worst kind of lie for no reason. Right. So in 2017, um, according to uh, the New York District Attorney uh, Bragg, Alvin Bragg, Trump then paid Michael Cohen a total of $420,000 over the course of that year, um, 2017. And that was intended to uh, reimburse Cohen for the payment to Stormy Daniels. Mm-hmm. And then in 2018, Cohen p- pleaded guilty to a uh, federal campaign finance uh Charge arising out of this particular yeah. scheme. All right. So so that's a nice little recap of-
1: That's the crime. Well- The so,
0: timeline yeah. of the crime and, and important dates so far.
1: Yeah. There was a, it was a funny thing because uh, Jonathan Haight, I don't know if you know him. He's a sort of political commentator who's, it, it's he's one of those people who's like the dumbest smart person Uh, That you would meet where it's like he writes opinion articles for the New York Times and he has uh, a a great command of the English language. But Mm -hmm. the actual things that he says may be like the dumbest things a person could could say or like are just deliberately obtuse. Right. So he says, like, you know, if he if uh, the thing that Donald Trump is being uh, accused of, which is uh, paying hush money uh, for an affair that he had is not something that would ever see charges if he had never run for president. And the the implication being like, oh, well, it's a political witch hunt or whatever. But it's like, no, that's the point. If he had not run for president, he wouldn't have paid hush money to try and defraud the voters. Mm -hmm. Like, that's the issue. Sure. And he's also not being charged with paying hush money. Uh Right. So we'll get into the charges (laughs) in a
0: little bit. But uh, yeah, I, I think there are a lot of people online making some pretty ridiculous yeah. arguments uh and so we'll get into the specifics of the case but you know what for now let's go ahead and get back into the movie what's yeah. happening
1: yeah so the first point to mention that also aligns with our uh not our story but our, our sad sick world that we live in mm. is uh turns out secret service agents are bad yes <laughs> uh many have been called to testify or fired from their positions uh, in the u.s government because they decided to protect donald trump instead of serve their country right um we'll get more into that in the movie in a moment uh but just worth noting that that's a, a, an element here the the two secret service agents in this film are played by Scott Glenn and Dennis Haysbert mm-hmm. uh you may know Dennis Haysbert from his role as the president on the TV series 24
0: vaguely recall Yep,
1: yeah, and he's also uh Serrano in Major League which is a, a fantastic sports comedy Don't
0: recall that at all
1: that movie's great I'll try that again anyway so they are the secret service agents one of the most ridiculous parts about this is mm-hmm. um as after the um issue has happened the cover-up has happened in this uh room uh eastwood's character comes out uh, luther whitney is his name luther comes out and he grabs the the evidence the the knife that yeah. has the fingerprints of both or the letter opener that has the fingerprints of both on it and then he uses a rope to escape out the window <laughs> this is an, ele- an element of the story that again doesn't make sense the chief of staff and the secret service agents walk with the president out to get them out of there. She looks in her purse and doesn't see the knife mm-hmm. rather than just being like, Oh, I guess I left it upstairs. Let me go back up there and get it. She like has a panic attack. She's like, the knife is gone. Oh my gosh. Right. And, and she's there's like, no Someone must reason. Have taken
0: there's no reason to believe at this point yeah. that she did anything other than just drop the knife in and it the just fall out place. of her bag
1: and she can go. Right. And it. this yeah. is again,
0: one of those moments that I was saying the film is assuming that there's that is getting it wrong in terms of like what the audience knows versus what the yes, characters know. That's right. And it, it it is very frustrating to watch because you, you're just asking yourself, why are these Secret Service agents storming up this, mm-hmm. this 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 the stairwell yes. i don't understand why this lady is freaking out maybe she saw like a hint of a flutter or some like light up in the window when so she realized was point, it was missing yeah
1: where, so she did the freak out for the knife first yeah. and then she looked up and saw like the curtains move and maybe she saw like the flashlight or something mm-hmm. and then she has the right to freak out she in the secret service running upstairs but she, the, the order of events was was wrong this right. this to me Speaks to something that Eastwood is known for Mm -hmm. as a director. He almost always comes in ahead of schedule and under budget. Mm -hmm. And so, like, that's why he can continue to make movies. They give him a budget and he says, All right, I'll do it for that. And I can do it come in early and blah, 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 whatever. But it leads to things like The order of events when being shot just not being quite correct or, Mm -hmm. again, not analyzing what the audience is supposed to know at a given time, shortcuts being made in the narrative. Um, Or in the case of the movie he directed, American Sniper, like Bradley Cooper acting with a baby doll instead of a real baby. And Mm -hmm. it just looks like the fakest thing in the world. And he's like, that's fine. Print it.
0: Was it the same baby doll that he used in The Hangover?
1: Uh
0: no. <laughs> <laughs> I the one thing that, that does bother me about this, and, and this is something that you see in the West Wing with Aaron Sorkin, I think, um, as well, is I, I get really upset with men writing hysterical women. Oh, sure. It gets, it gets so old. This woman is the chief yeah. of staff to the president of the United States of America. Yeah. She would not be hysterical yeah. in this way. And she's very no-nonsense all the way up until mm-hmm. this point. And then she she freaks out like a, a, a girl in a school. Green Queen, yep. you know, horror flick, and it's it's infuriating to watch because I guarantee you that if it had been a man playing that role, mm-hmm. there's absolutely no way they would have had him freak out in that particular way. it's, yeah. it's you know, I was thinking about this also before, and, and I won't dwell on it, but like this movie, a hundred percent does not pass the Bechdel test. Yep. It's just all white men.
1: <laughs> yep. Well, and Dennis Haysburg, who does not one talk black man, yet.
0: one woman, two women who never speak to each other, no. and then the rest is just white men. That's
1: right. Yep. The other thing that I thought was interesting so, Eastwood rappels out the window on this rope and starts running. He's running back to his car, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and the Secret Service are chasing after him. Now, one would assume the Secret Service uh, would be, you know, athletic enough. To catch a sextagenarian as he runs back to a hatchback that he stashed in the woods, Mm -hmm. but no, Dennis Haysbert in his prime for some reason just can't catch up with Clint Eastwood. Like (laughs) I just I don't get it. Uh, It made no sense to me. He like he sees the license plate and he's like I got him now, or he's like I got him now, Uh, and then he's like uh, it was a stolen car, so he you know there's no way to trace it back to to this guy. Right. Um, But eventually they do. They figure it out that it's this guy, Luther Whitney. Um, they basically, the re, the way they do it is uh, we introduce the character of Ed Harris. So Ed Harris plays Seth Frank, who is a police officer who was called to, inve- a detective called in to investigate the murder.
0: Our second Ed Harris film.
1: Our second Ed Harris film. Do you remember uh, what the first one was? Our first one was Milk Money. No, I have no <laughs> idea. I don't know.
0: Snowpiercer.
1: Oh yeah, that's right. Very limited role in Snowpiercer at the end. A lot mm-hmm. of talky talk. Uh, well, in this one, uh, Ed Harris plays a like semi-racist uh, policeman for some reason. They just like throw some casual racism in for his character at some point. Uh, they, they are on a stakeout, and there's a, a restaurant. Uh, they're looking at a restaurant. The waiter comes out, and he's like, "Oh, hi! You have to order something if you're going to sit here." And uh, he says, "Huh? Do you think he's disguised as a Chinaman?" Uh. It's like <laughs> I appreciated you. You were just like. Chinaman is not the preferred nomenclature, dude. <laughs>
0: That's right. I uh, I, I definitely had a nice little groan uh, at that. I I, I truly, um, I guess it's just, is, is it supposed to show that he's a racist or does he just happen to be a racist and they just had no idea because it was the 90s? I think the, it's
1: just, like you said, it's written by old white guys yeah. and they're just like, oh, this would be funny.
0: Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. I mean, even the character themselves, I was like, oh, this is, is this trying to be like a, like a, like a, I don't know. It just felt like an over the top portrayal of an Asian person that, that person probably speaks the way that I do. Yeah. 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 (laughs) And they had him do that accent. Like, that's just the, that's my
1: interpretation. That's, that's right. Uh, anyway, so that is, uh, so we were introduced to Ed Harris's character. He is sort of flummoxed by the crime scene. He's like, well, there's a bullet coming from a different location and the bullet was carved out of the wall. So, you know, why would this happen? Were there two people in the room? He's like trying to put it together. And what he settles on pretty quickly is, well, this was a robbery. Let's find out what kind of thief could pull off this this crime and he's like there are only 12 thieves in america that could do this i don't know where the database is for that but okay sure he's like and one of them lives right here in tsw
0: yeah only one of them
1: dmv but he
0: hasn't been active for 30 years so then you know what that's i'm sorry that's not a suspect right (laughs) like what like what is this this old man's life that every time there's a robbery, regardless of whether or not there's any proof that he was involved, yeah. the police just come knocking on his door, and it's been thirty
1: years. Yes, and and I will say that was one of the more charming elements of the film mm-hmm. uh, was Ed Harris uh, sets up a meeting with him or or tracks him down at a, a mall right. when they're eating at the food court or whatever, and he's like, "Hey, you know, uh, you know, how would you do this or how how would this be done?" And he's like well, if it weren't for the jumping out the window part, uh, I could do it or whatever. And they're just like a little cat and mouse, whatever. Right. The problem with that is that now we know as the audience, Ed Harris has seen what Clint Eastwood's character looks like. Yes. And so there's a point where, again, like they're on this stakeout (laughs) and he's like, hey, is that him? What is he? Where is he? And he walks in just like with his normal ass face. Like
0: right, he's a, his disguise is a a bucket hat. Yeah, and, and a trench coat. A trench coat, and yeah. he he definitely looks like three children stacked on top of each other yeah. with an old
1: man mask. on. Yeah, and it's like yeah, he they went through the pains earlier of being like, oh, how are the wigs holding up and the the fake beards and mustaches, and then we see him like dress up in fake beards and mustaches and stuff to like hide his identity Mm -hmm. at certain points but he just doesn't seem to do it at the time when like literally an assassin is looking for him a secret service agent's looking for him and uh and ed harris's character is looking for him it's like that he has a daughter whom he is estranged from and they are trying to leverage the daughter to get him out of hiding and so he goes to meet her to say like like hey i didn't do it
0: Right. Well, so backing up, we are introduced to Laura Linney.
1: Yeah, right? yeah, in the dumbest way possible. Do you, <laughs> Do you remember like what Eastwood's character was doing in that scene?
0: Well, she was running. She's
1: she's running along like a lake or something. I or... think
0: everybody in Washington D.C. that's yeah. even remotely involved in the government must run because that's all you ever see in movies and yes. TV shows. Yeah, always so jogging. She's jogging on a path, uh, and. I, I'm not exactly sure. He just sort of like hops down off of an embankment yes. and like like hops down at her and, and there has was a conversation. A,
1: there was literally just a rock. Yeah. Like a, a maybe a eight <laughs> foot tall rock on the side of the running path. And he's just crouching on top of the rock. Right. And she's running. She sees him. He kind of like, oh, I'm scooting down the rock. I'm gonna scoot. And then he's like, oh, uh, what's her name? Uh, Kate. It's like, oh, Kate. And she's like, eye I, I rolls and keeps running. And He's like, "Kate, wait." And then she stops and turns around. I'm like, "If you've decided to keep running, just keep running." I like
0: how she is uh as a character says, "This is an unremarkable event in
1: my life." I know. Life. Just my my estranged <laughs> father is just perched, crouched on top of a, a rock and that he will then slide down during, in the middle of my run and I my first response won't be the fuck are you doing
0: or like ah yeah yeah it's just <laughs> like i see you in the kitchen when i have headphones on yeah. and you are not trying to s- jump out at me at all but i just I, you know i don't realize that you're there and i jump, jump three feet yeah. maybe i'm extra jumpy but i i would imagine that if you're just running yeah you know if a man even if you know it turns out to be your father if a man jumps out at down you, on a rock yeah <laughs> i'm gonna go ah <laughs>
1: Also, like the way that this could have easily been handled is have her returning to her car from the run and he's just leaning against the car. Right. Like th- we've done this in movies before. Mm-hmm. It's not a problem you have to solve. Like it, he doesn't need to <laughs> shimmy down. You know, side Why does of the he know
0: where her jogging path is?
1: Yeah. So, anyway, complete bananas. Right. Um. But <clears throat> he basically tells her, like, you know, I, I'm thinking about leaving the country because some stuff went down. You know, I just want you to know you're my only family. She's like, I'm not your family. We don't talk anymore, blah, blah, anyway, We then, uh, we we now, uh, because of Ed Harris and his setup, we are assuming that he is trying to make a legal case or at least provide evidence for the fact that uh, Luther Whitney committed the murder, right? Mm-hmm. So not just committed the robbery, that you know, is, is neither here nor there, apparently. He doesn't want to, like, try to get him on that charges. He doesn't want to, like, you know, try and investigate his home, get a warrant to search his premises or any of that stuff. Sure. He's just like, we're going to you know, suss him out with his daughter and then arrest him. So uh, it's su- suspicious and su- suspect legal theory behind what he's trying to prove, but uh, that's what it is.
0: Which leads us, of course, to all of the other crimes. <laughs>
1: That's yes, of, of which there are many and several it sounds like.
0: Right. Well, I mean, so uh there are a lot of things that are currently happening in the legal atmosphere around Trump yes. right now and uh while he is the first president, former president to be charged with a, cl- a crime and he broke broke a record folks. <laughs> uh he is about to break his own record. Potentially, and be charged with several other crimes. Yeah. So I guess it's worth going over what else is happening, what else has been happening. So even before we get into the other crimes that are currently under investigation right yeah. now for President Trump, a couple of things to remember about this particular crime or this particular Stormy Daniels thing is that she was not the only one who received hush money payments. Okay. I don't know if you remember, there was also the Playboy model Karen McDougal.
1: I do remember uh, because uh, she has a, a Scottish last name, McDougal. <laughs>
0: Well, she had an affair allegedly with President Trump in the mid 2000s and the National Enquirer did a catch and kill on her story. I think, you know, the, the kind of thing that was covered in the book Catch and Kill by Ronan Roller, Farrow, yep. Ronan Farrow um, and paid her one hundred and fifty thousand dollars for her story. Yep. Uh, the owner of the National Enquirer, uh, I think David Pecker or something Pecker.
1: Uh, yeah, I think it's David Pecker. Yeah.
0: He... Uh, was involved in basically just a scheme with Trump and Michael Cohen, where he would essentially just try and like run defense or whatever for Trump on all
1: of the various different scandals. And so he would pay money to people who had a story about Trump's malfeasance. Right. And then they would be, uh, they would sign a non disclosure for the money for the payment. And then he would just bury the story. Exactly. He would just, the the story would just never see the light of day. And now Donald Trump is worried about his leaky pecker. (laughs) Yuck. (laughs) sorry.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right. Uh, well, and then the other hush money payment that happened around the same time, uh, was in late 2015, the former Trump tower doorman,
1: Mm
0: the, the doorman for Trump tower was paid $30,000 by, uh, by the parent company AMI of the national Enquirer because he had a story um, allegedly, of Trump having a child out of wed- wedlock with one of his former employees.
1: Cool. Sounds like a real, real great
0: guy. Right. And so that was also one of those like catch and kill situations mm-hmm. as well.
1: You know who had a bunch of kids out of wedlock? Hmm. Clint Eastwood. <laughs> Sorry. Well, I'm going to let you continue and then I'll drag Eastwood for a little while. But
0: I, you know, yeah. Uh, I, all I know is the one Scott Eastwood. Oh, where,
1: I mean, let me just put a uh, put a quick point on that. Mm. Legally, mm-hmm. Scott Eastwood does not have a father. I'll get into it later, but okay. that's just a little teaser.
0: All right, good good to know. What? Okay. Yep. Uh so, in addition to those hush money payments that were a part of the whole Stormy Daniels thing, yep. again that I had completely forgotten about because who cares? Who needs to know this? I shouldn't I shouldn't have to know this information. Um, but in addition to that, we have another investigation that's currently occurring with the uh, Fulton County uh, voting in Georgia in Georgia. Yep. That's right, Fulton County in Georgia. There was the whole election rigging thing where Trump basically um, allegedly demanded that the State secretary Brad Raffensberger uh, quote unquote, find the exact number of votes that he needed in order to overturn the results in Georgia. Mm -hmm. So there is still a question of whether or not the uh, district attorney in Fulton County is going to bring charges. Uh, Fannie Fannie Willis is her name. She is, however, expected to announce in the next couple of weeks whether something is going to result from her investigation. And it seems pretty likely that it is Mm -hmm. based off of uh, some statements made by some people on the grand jury. Um, there was the, the forewoman Emily Kors of the grand jury. Um, she told the New York times that, um, whether or not people would be charged, she said, uh, it's not a short list of mm-hmm. the people, uh, who are going to be charged and quote, you're not going to be shocked. It's not rocket science,
1: <laughs> <laughs> which I did appreciate. Uh, yes. <laughs> Um, It's like, don't be dumb. You know, you know.
0: Right. And then another person who was on the grand jury said, quote, a lot's going to come out sooner or later and it's going to be massive. It's going to be massive. Mm -hmm. So Trump's lawyers are basically saying that um, that Willis, the attorney general, um, is engaged in, quote, instances of forensic misconduct and improper extrajudicial activity um, and that she should be removed from the case. And in a speech at Mar-a-Lago, Trump called uh, Willis a racist, even though she is a black woman.
1: Uh, Uh, Well, of course, she's racist (laughs) against old white men, you know?
0: Right. That classic pattern of racism. racism. Gotcha. So that's expected to come out in the next couple of weeks. And then in addition to that, um, we have the federal investigations by the special counsel, Jack Smith. So there are actually, I thought there were two, there are actually three. So Jack Smith is also looking into um, Trump trying to overturn the election. Mm -hmm. He is also investigating the January 6th insurrection and the violence that came out of that and Trump's role in that. And he is also investigating Mar-a-Lago and the classified documents (laughs) that were uh, stored in boxes in his closet
1: or whatever. I feel like this guy, uh, this Jack Smith guy is like, just, just, just stop committing crimes (laughs) so I can investigate the old crimes. Please. I'm so busy. I have a family. Let me do my work. I'm not paid by the hour.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. So, so Jack Smith has a lot on his plate. Yeah. He is... um, also expected to be announcing some things pretty soon. Um, He has, according to a report by The Washington Post on Sunday, uncovered, quote, significant evidence that Trump may have obstructed justice in the documents case. I mean, there are. It's there called are,
1: observing life. <laughs> I
0: mean, there are just like, there's testimony from secret service people yeah. and then other people who are in the Trump atmosphere that he <laughs> like not only did he know about the, the the documents, the documents were moved after there was a request to have them, and he like personally inspected the documents.
1: Cool. <laughs> as they were being moved. Smart, very right. smart, very normal guy.
0: Right. Um, and then on uh, on Wednesday, an advisor to Mike Pence said. That that the former vice president would not be appealing uh, a subpoena that was asking him to come and testify before the grand jury. So yeah. I do love that 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 Mike Pence got a subpoena and uh, he had the option to appeal, and he was like, "All right, yeah, I'll show up. Sure, yeah. well, let's let's chat." Yeah. <laughs> so so, anyways, just as a little bit of a reminder, there's a lot of legal stuff going on yeah. that could be dropping any time in the next year, and very likely in the next few weeks
1: interesting that would be fun mm-hmm. uh we may not cover that again no but... <laughs> this is it right
0: yeah. I, I can't i yeah, can't yeah, yeah. care about this anymore yeah. i just lock him away for or or don't I, I don't actually care i don't want him to be president again right but i don't want to have to think about this man
1: right That yes that's
0: more great. importantly
1: that is the most important thing just like let's never talk about him again and that also means like if we can convict him with a felony don't put him in jail but just don't let him run for office please yes yeah to talk talk about some other legal matters Mm -hmm. as i mentioned i alluded to uh clint eastwood has had numerous both casual and serious relationships of varying length and intensity over his life many of which overlapped sure uh he has eight known children by six women the word known is doing a lot right there because only half of those kids were acknowledged contemporaneously so he would just have a kid and be like i don't know who that is (laughs) Uh, they're
0: like but he's very squinty look at this baby (laughs) and
1: and to this day eastwood refuses to confirm the exact number of offspring that he has and there are wide discrepancies uh, in the media regarding the number so his biographer patrick uh, mcgilligan has stated uh, that eastwood's total number of children is unclear and that one was had while he was still in high school yes yes uh, so I I normally don't care to get into like people's personal lives. Uh, however, you may remember Clint Eastwood deciding to show up to the RNC one year and scream at an empty chair, right. and him deciding to enter into the realm of. The public political space and tell us how it what it should be to be a man for him to do that while also siring and abandoning multiple children uh is just indicative of the hypocrisy that people like trump have and so it seems as though these two are peas in a pod right well and I- he can kiss my white ass i realize that he's supposed to be some big tough macho guy about manliness but mm. well, you know what's actually manly taking care of your fucking kids clint I'm excited to see you die, you old bastard.
0: I I think it it is pretty funny because I I I know that conservatives love to do things like point to like Nick Cannon.
1: Uh-huh. Or
0: whatever. Yeah, uh, the former husband and father to several of Mariah Carey's children. Yes. For having, I think like eleven children. Uh-huh.
1: Or whatever it is. Or yeah. whatever,
0: whatever it is. But here here's the thing about Nick Cannon. Pretty sure he pays child support. He acknowledges those children. Yeah. He is involved in their lives, and to whatever extent, like, and but it's you know, and I've I've literally had somebody be like, well, what about this Nick Cannon person? And I'm just like, are we just talking about this because he's right. black? What's right. what what are we doing with yeah. this? Because because very literally this is not a—men being trash is not something that's reserved for
1: a particular race. That's right. And also, you know what Nick Cannon's not doing? Mm. He's not coming out and saying, I'm going to run for office and then decide how you should manage your children. Or I'm going to support a candidate for public office that is going to cut health care for children or Mm. do all of the terrible things that Republicans want to do. Promote having guns in schools. Like, Nick Cannon can do whatever the hell he wants to do in his personal life. If he were to start advocating politically for some, you know, office in government, I would have opinions on what he had to say. But as a private citizen, he can do whatever the hell he wants. Same thing with Eastwood. I would not bring this up if it were not his intent. If it were not his decision to enter into the public discourse.
0: The only thing I have to say is that it's not surprising that Mm -hmm. that he's a big, giant hypocrite, as many of the people who like to pass judgment on other people for the things that they do in their private lives often are.
1: Yeah, the other thing I'll mention, just because you brought up Scott Eastwood, who is a complete and utter tool by the way.
0: Oh, yeah. No, Uh, he he looks... I mean, look at his face. Yeah. Come
1: on. He he also had some, like, interview with Rolling Stone a few years ago, like, with his dad about, like, oh, men aren't men anymore, blah, blah, blah. It's Uh, like, hey, guess what, Scott? You're a fucking actor, bro. You know what you do? You put on someone else's clothes and play pretend for your career, okay? So if you want to talk about being a man, go join the fucking military, go join the firehouse, like, whatever it is you gotta do to get your hands dirty. You pretend to get your hands dirty. You pretend to be an action hero. So shut the fuck Fuck up, bud. Hey, how about this? Maybe just let people live. Let people live and then I won't tell you that you're a creep. There
0: is an audacity to a guy whose entire job and father's entire job is mm-hmm. sitting in a chair and having someone put makeup on him for mm-hmm. several hours and then playing dress up and pretend, telling yeah. people that they're not manly.
1: Yeah. Anyway, getting back to his o- origin story in an unpublicized affair, Eastwood sired two legally fatherless children, Scott and then Catherine, uh, with a flight attendant named Jacelyn or Jacelyn Reeves. Uh, when uh, his previous uh, person he was with uh, last name Locke and Eastwood separated in 1989, uh, Locke filed a palimony lawsuit and later sued for fraud, reaching a settlement in both cases. So like also legal issues around paternity, around child support, all this kind of stuff, whatever. Right. Uh, uh, anyway, <sighs> the point is, I my experience with Eastwood was in sort of two roles. One was... Uh, his, you know, uh, fistful of dollars for a few dollars more, the good, bad, and the ugly Western, like spaghetti, Western Eastwood. Right? right. Uh, and he's effective in those movies for what he, for what he does. And then old Eastwood in like million dollar baby and, uh, grand Torino and stuff like that. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, I kind of missed a lot of the, the 1990s Eastwoods yeah. because it was a lot of political thrillers like this. Uh, but I had really no opinion of the man and now I do. And it turns out he blows. He sucks. Turns out,
0: yeah, uh, Clint Eastwood is trash. Yes. But I feel like I'd known that for, I mean, again, since that speech, was it the RNC? Yeah. Where he was just talking to an empty chair. An empty chair.
1: Yep. That is correct. Yeah. Uh, So anyway, I just wanted to make sure to mention that uh, because it's good to know when someone's bad. I mean, you can just keep that in your mind. keep it in your brain. I'm not saying you can't watch his next movie. Go ahead. But just keep in mind. He's a shitty person.
0: Yeah. Yeah, you can watch his movie. Pirate it, I guess. I mean, <laughs> just kidding. I don't advocate for illegal
1: activities. But
0: yeah. uh, anyways, yeah. moving on. Moving on. To uh, a fake bad person, I guess.
1: Yes, so uh, we we have this big sort of tense scene that's set up. Uh, I mentioned it before. Laura Linney is trying to draw um, Clint Eastwood's character, Luther Whitney, out. Um, there is the Secret Service agent, played by Dennis Haysbert, who is going to shoot him. There is an assassin, played by Richard Jenkins, who is going to shoot him. There is Ed Harris, who is going to arrest him. (laughs) So he is uh, in the middle of a a pretty intense situation, uh, and he's about to get shot in the head by Dennis Haysbert when, all of a sudden, someone who is installing a window next door, the light (laughs) catches his eye by accident, which is, again, not a good thing to do in movies. If you are saved by chance, not great from a plot perspective.
0: It, it really did feel like such a cop-out that the only reason he didn't get murdered in this scene was because a guy was make, like fixing a window. Yes.
1: Like, he was not smart. Like, showing up to talk to his daughter at that point was dumb. Dumb, 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 dumb Especially
0: dumb. when he could have just waited in yes. her apartment with the bag of groceries.
1: Yep. And he, <laughs> because he shows up, like, Ed Harris takes Lauren Lenny's character back to her apartment and tries to, like, fuck her, I think, or whatever. He's, like, hitting on her. He's
0: trying very hard and, and just offering, I mean, like, three rapid fire, incredibly cringy yeah. attempts to pick her up. And it's just that yeah. in her apartment with this, she, like, air of power because he's a cop, it's just gross. Gross.
1: Someone just tried to assassinate her father in front of her. Uh-huh. And he's like, and she's like, oh, I'm sorry for the mess in my apartment. He's like, I like that in a woman. It's like, Ew. Ew.
0: Honestly, if it wasn't for the fact that you already have a bad guy that is happening in this yes. film, this is a very potentially rapey scene. Yeah. This is a this is just a gross scene where you like you just could assume that this man in her apartment could take advantage of her very easily. Yes.
1: Yeah, this goes to all men who listen to this. I'll throw Eastwood and Donald Trump in here because I'm sure they're, they're avid listeners of this podcast. Oh, for sure. Stop trying to fuck. Like, it's not the most important thing for you to do in your life. Like, chill out. Chill out with that, okay? Find yourself a partner, settle down, then you know get into it. But like, just is not crucial to like your existence as a person. Just take a step, take a step back. Cold shower.
0: Calm down. Calm folks. down. Just calm down. Calm
1: down. Uh, anyway, so uh, Laura Linney then um, is now uh, Clancy Swood was hiding in her apartment and just talking to her. It's like you could have done this already. You could have just gone into her apartment and talked to her there, mm-hmm. not in the middle of whatever was going on. And uh, this is when the Secret Service agent uh, reports back to the president and Hackman says, show that you love your country. This is his way of saying East would probably talk to his daughter, probably told her what's going on. She is a lawyer. um, And so we got to bump her off. And so this does overlap with Trump's sort of M.O. pretty clearly, which is the idea that protecting the individual of the president Mm -hmm. is the same thing as serving your country. Right. Right. That is like he, Trump was the president and therefore the secret service should do what he says, not what is good for the country. The, the voters, uh, the votes should be for him, even if you have to steal them or invalidate votes of actual voters, like everything should serve him. So, um, you know, I think one of the things that you looked at was how he already gets some of that, which is this, this special treatment he's getting from the trial. The idea that, um, it's about him, not about justice or the law or fairness.
0: Yeah. I mean, he definitely is getting special treatment and I think special treatment for a couple different reasons, right? Special treatment because he is a former president, of course, and then also special treatment because he is a white man Mm -hmm. Uh, and then special treatment because he just happens to also have a lot of money. And I think that those three things alone would be enough to get him You know, this whatever it is. It it was interesting to watch the the arraignment because there was a lot of, not speculation, but there was, I mean, I guess speculation before it happened. You know, how do do you book a president when you have two factions with their own agendas? The police who are doing the booking at the police station and the Secret Service who are not supposed to leave the side. And so I think that there was a lot of arrangement behind the scenes to make sure that those two groups worked together. But uh, you know, the Secret Service does have to be with him all the time. And that is not something that typically happens yeah. when you are booked. Not that I would know from personal experience.
1: Right, right. Uh, you <laughs> not, know. not from the time that you were president and had Secret Service detail.
0: <laughs> right, exactly. There were also other concessions that were made. He was not handcuffed. Yeah. He was, there was no mugshot taken. Right. You know, we have some uh, sketches from the courtroom, and then there are some photos of him going in and out of the—, the um, the, the jail. yeah. Um, but, but there are a lot of concessions that, that have been made because of who he is in special treatment. Um, the other thing too, is that the timeline for this is going to be particularly drawn out. Yeah. Uh, you know, his trial isn't expected to take place until early next year, 2024.
1: Yeah. I've heard, I've heard December at the earliest and the, his legal team is pushing for spring of next year.
0: So his legal team is pushing for January of 2024, and Trump's attorneys are pushing for some date in the spring, because you know what happens right around January, February of
1: 2024? It's like Iowa.
0: The Iowa caucuses for the Republican nomination. So he doesn't want to have to appear in court (laughs) while he's also trying to go and like glad hand folks uh, in Iowa. And uh, try sure. and, and campaign. Uh, so, so yeah. I mean, he's. It, this is. It is an unprecedented um, event that is occurring, but also there's just a lot of special treatment generally that's happening. Um, this is a is a weird case.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes. A lot of things are going on. So this is the special treatment he got once he got arraigned and brought in. Once they did the arraignment, they read out the charges. So can we get in uh, briefly? What are the things he's being charged with? It's 34 counts of something, but. Tell
0: me more. (laughs) Right. So the actual charges are 34 counts of falsifying business records. And this is, again, this is the state of New York. So this is not federal. This is state level. Um, It's falsifying business records within the state of New York. And these are um, being brought as felony bookkeeping charges. Okay. Okay. So typically bookkeeping record, you know, record keeping charges are misdemeanor. Yep. And the thing that is different about these is that they are a felony. And the reason that they are a felony is because it is not just that he falsified documents, but that he falsified these official documents of bookkeeping Mm -hmm. with the intent to conceal an additional crime.
1: Ah, what is the additional crime?
0: Ooh, that's that is that is the question. So we actually don't know what the additional crime is. It is not required at this time that. uh, Yeah. So it's not it's not required at this time that that um, Alvin Bragg, the the district attorney um, who is bringing these charges, um, tell us what they are. Um, He doesn't actually have to. But but the. Additional crime is kind of the the key to this entire thing. Yeah. So you sent me uh, something on Twitter. Yeah. It was an article by this guy that was basically claiming that there is this quote unquote dubious legal theory that is underlying this entire uh, investigation or right. these charges. And this was an article from Vox. Again, all of these, as always, all of these are going to be in the in the show notes. Yeah. Uh, and I'm gonna take just one moment to have a quick disclaimer. I'm not a lawyer. Not a lawyer. I uh I did well on my LSAT as an <laughs> LSAT instructor. And that is the extent of my legal knowledge. I taught logic and reading comprehension to folks who ended up going to law schools.
1: So you read about the law and can comprehend it, but you are not a lawyer.
0: I read. I mean, in this
1: specific article. Oh, sorry.
0: Yeah, I was like, uh, no, as an LSAT instructor, you do not read about the law. This
1: article you read and comprehended, and therefore you can lead us. Down some of that.
0: Right. Absolutely. I don't have legal training, so I'm going to do my best yeah. here. And this is me. Uh, this is me reading a bunch of stuff and telling people based off of what I have read. But essentially, the question that you just asked is is absolutely pivotal. What is the crime that was intending to be covered up? And and as I mentioned, we don't exactly know. Yeah. But um, according to the statements by Bragg when he brought this uh, brought this forward, there's the potential for three different uh, things.
1: So it's either the peanuts, the caramel, or the nougat crime inside of the chocolate Snickers of <laughs> uh, bookkeeping issues. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes. Great. I'm on I board. Yes.
0: <laughs> now, according to the article that you sent me, and this is a guy from Vox, the headline was, The Dubious Legal Theory at the Heart of the Trump Indictment Explained. Yep. And uh, and it says no one knows if, if Donald Trump can be prosecuted for the hushed money payments to Stormy Daniels. So basically, according to uh, uh according to this person, the question comes down to whether or not the, the secondary crime can be a federal crime. Mm-hmm. There was speculation because we don't actually oh. have what the secondary crime was up until the arraignment. Uh, and the speculation was that the secondary crime that Trump was going to be um charged with was going to be federal uh federal election uh fraud. Okay. Right, that
1: makes or federal, sense.
0: federal election crimes, right? right? And so the question then is can a state prosecutor basically um can a state prosecutor basically invoke a federal crime uh in for this particular law and the law for this the state law doesn't say that he can or cannot it's it's um article 175
1: okay so it's it's left open and that would be the judge i guess that makes that determination right
0: so the judges are going to be making that determination whether or not um he can invoke this federal election law now the other thing is he could also invoke state election law but then the question becomes why would the state attorney invoke state election law for a federal election
1: yeah that's right unless i mean the elections are run by the states so the there's i guess question of you know where the harm was committed, but I don't know. I don't have a good answer there.
0: (laughs) Right, I mean, and and that was kind of my thought is, I mean, they are run by the states. Um, So whether or not he can invoke state law because this is a federal election, um, whether or not he can invoke federal laws because he doesn't have jurisdiction over a federal law, but the way that the law, the New York state law is written, it doesn't say that he can or cannot, it doesn't say that it has to be a state law that was intending to be broken.
1: Right, right. It's now, just a law. Yeah. Right.
0: So, so that essentially that's the the nuts and bolts of this like dubious legal theory. Now, there was one surprise in the arraignment that has sort of uh, bolstered Bragg's um, his his case, and it was that he not only is looking at election laws um, as being the potential crime, yeah. but also at uh, falsifying business records in part for a plan to deceive state tax authorities.
1: Ah, so that is definitely under state jurisdiction.
0: Right, okay. exactly. So so that's where uh, he he's basically giving three different options. And again, we don't <laughs> know what the charges are, but he's basically telling the jury and the judge, like, choose your own adventure what do what crime do you what? think he was trying to commit because it was kind of all three of these yeah. and if one of them doesn't suit you well i got another one for yeah. you
1: it's uh here's the fun thing is we have so many to choose from he's given us a buffet of crime please select there are from... so many crimes yes
0: right And he also doesn't have to, again, as I mentioned, he doesn't have to name what that crime is. He will soon. So there are going to be discovery documents that are going to be coming up pretty soon that he's going to have to turn over to Trump's team. Uh, But as of right now, we don't exactly know. We can sort of guess based off of the statements that he has made.
1: Gotcha. Okay. Well, you know, I think that's really useful because- I again, we there's a reason we haven't covered uh, Trump on this podcast to this point. Right, it's uh, always more confusing than it needs to be, and always very depressing. And so we've tried to steer clear of it, but that's a, a pretty concise description of why these charges are a so many mm-hmm. and b what's underlying the legal theory there. So
0: right, exactly. So so anyway, that uh, in a nutshell, that's what's happening. Um, it is. Again, uh, stuff that I just, yeah. I have been able to avoid up until just now, yeah. but uh, I delved into just for you, darling.
1: Thank you. Well, you know, we don't want to hear about him anymore. And right. one way that we could accomplish that mm. is an old billionaire could stab him with a letter opener. <laughs> <laughs> uh, because in the movie, uh, the president has has indicated to his Secret Service that they should kill uh, Kate Whitney, uh, Laura Lenny's character, Clint Eastwood's character's daughter. Mm-hmm. So they drive into the back of her car and push her off a cliff why this lady is just hanging out near cliffs i don't know Um, but it did give them the opportunity to smash up a car pretty good in the movie which eh, that's cool um and but she survived because airbags i guess like car safety standards because
0: cars are made out of steel and she was wearing her seatbelt, and it was not a very tall cliff yeah and uh and they
1: literally could have just walked up to the side of the car and shot her in the head but they decided to not do that so anyway right uh and, and, and uh, you know, Luther Whitney was following her, so he was right on the scene, and spry as could be to mm-hmm. just climb down the cliff and save her, call an ambulance, etc. Uh, so she's in the hospital, she's still alive, but here comes Dennis Haysbert to, uh, to kill her with some kind of, you know, cocktail and a syringe, when he gets snuck up on by Clint Eastwood and then stabbed in the neck and murdered. Gotta have that white vengeance, right? So he... Kills Dennis Hainsbury's character uh, and then finds the wealthy billionaire. I, I got the wrong name earlier. I called him Whitney. His his actually Sullivan is his right. last name. Yeah. Um, this was that guy's, the actor's last movie. So uh, before he died, he, he gets, he basically takes position of his driver and then drives him around and tells him the whole thing, gives him the letter opener as evidence and lets him know like, Hey, this is the, this is the guy who killed your wife. It's the president. It's the guy you supported, and he's president because of you. Go with God. Figure out what to do. Right. And this guy is so powerful, so obviously, and un, um, oftenly like in the president's office, that he just walks right in, and through the metal detector, he's like, "Oh, it's McCain." They're like, "Yeah, go ahead. You don't need an appointment. Get on in here." Mm-hmm. And then he, uh, the president, opens the door. He's like, "Hey, what's up, man?" And the next thing we see is we cut to. Uh, the news footage or like the news reports of the president having committed suicide. It's like, why would the president stab himself with a letter opener as though that's, as though that is a way that anyone has ever committed suicide. It was
0: such a terrible way to wrap everything up because clearly the guy was in the office yes. he was
1: the only one in the office.
0: And they're just going to believe him that the president stabbed himself with a yeah. letter opener,
1: Yeah, it <laughs> with is, his letter opener, with Sullivan's
0: with with, with letter yes.
1: opener the the letter opener that was in his house and by the way the chief of staff was arrested by Ed Harris's character uh but like she knew about the letter opener she could just say like oh hey i'm under arrest anyway there's no way the president even had the letter opener to kill himself with so like right. this is ridiculous
0: the The ending is is pretty terrible, yeah. and it's. I think the the whole movie is one of those things where if you just don't think about it too hard, hmm. then you can enjoy it.
1: Yeah, I, maybe I don't. I don't even think that's possible. I think it was slow and plodding and boring, so I wouldn't even say that that is enjoyable for any reason. However, uh, in the book, it seems to happen a little bit more interestingly. Okay, so Luther is actually killed by the sniper. Um, and then Kate, his daughter, played mm-hmm. by Laura Linney, mm-hmm. is dating someone who is also a lawyer and I think a prosecutor. Okay. And that person takes on an interest in Luther's case, uh, separately determines that Luther did not commit the murder, and determines that the president did, and then is able to take that to some you know body of... Uh, body politic or whatever, like either through the House and Senate or through the police or whatever, and they arrest the president and he's brought to justice along with his chief of staff. Okay. So in the book, that's what it is. Um, now, the, uh, the the big thing that happened with the book is uh, because Luther died, but this movie is being uh, directed and starring Clint Eastwood, mm-hmm. Clint Eastwood went to the writer and said, uh, hey, uh, I don't want any of the characters that the audience really likes to die. Right. The only person who died in the book and then the first drafts of this is Clint Eastwood's character. So really (laughs) what he's saying is... I'm the star of this show. You're not going to kill me off. Right. That's what he's saying. Um, So that's the end of the movie. Uh, Nobody has yet to stab President Trump with a letter opener uh, as of the recording.
0: Right. So, but we, you know, we can talk about is like, what do we think is likely to happen (laughs) with this? So I think one of the things that is still an open question is whether or not um, hush money to your mistress during a campaign is in fact a federal crime. Okay. And it, you know, it's one of those things where we don't actually know uh-huh. there. the The question hasn't been answered, and you know, former Attorney General Bill Barr uh, uh, would argue that it is not, obviously. Um, but it, it, it's something that has not actually been tested, and it, in fact, wasn't even tested when because uh, Michael Cohen yeah. pleaded guilty; he right. didn't, he didn't fight against it so so there nobody had to like weigh in on whether or not it was a crime michael right. Cohen was like guess i committed a crime <laughs> i think it's going to be hilarious though if the supreme court comes in and at some point has to decide that it's actually not a crime and right. then michael cohen pled guilty to something that's not a crime right and ended up serving three years in prison for a thing that apparently yeah. uh he didn't have to i mean
1: that would be the luck of the cohen like he is right yeah. he
0: just is yeah, he he, he has, I, I think, just, like, the most, um, like, he's a bad person, yes. but also just, like, the most tragic, like, role in kind of all of this yes. is being, like, the fall guy. Um, so, so there is that, there is that question, um, there is also the question of a statute of limitations that, is, that we're not really sure about. So the statute of limitations for a felony of falsifying criminal records in the state of New York is five years. Okay. The statute of limitations for a misdemeanor is only two years. It has been more than five years since 2017. Sure, sure. However, the New York, state, New York state can sometimes stop the clock on this okay. if the person has been out of the state.
1: Oh, and so he lives in Florida. Trump,
0: well, he lives in Florida, but he was also living in DC, DC. for four years. Yeah. So there's that potential, you know, there, there's that potentiality as well. And then the final question is whether or not the Supreme Court is gonna step in yeah. and and rule on this. And that is a very, very real possibility sure. that they could. Um, they could I
1: wonder which way they would go. Oh,
0: gee. Hmm. Well, there is a doctrine of uh, the rule of lenity that basically says that fair warning should be given to the world in language that is common uh, that the world will understand of what the law intends if a certain line is passed. And so, so basically, what they're saying is that um, if something is illegal, you know, we need to take the the broadest interpretation of what that legality is, mm-hmm. and if the state law um, is not clear that that, um, that you have to have a state law, right. um, as opposed to a federal law, um, being broken, then the broadest interpretation is that we're only going to stick to, um, a federal or so, uh, a state crime being right. the thing that could make this a felony as opposed to a misdemeanor. Gotcha.
1: I feel like that is a principle that has never once been used for a black person in this country.
0: No. Yeah, definitely, definitely not. Um, so so again, the court absolutely could weigh in on this. Um, and yeah, I mean, it the charges against Trump are punishable each by um, up to four years in prison, yeah. which added all together could be as much as 136 years in prison. but it is not likely, according to like most people, that he's going to serve any prison time because he's a first offender. Sure,
1: also because he'll be dead soon. I <laughs> mean, it, he, his biggest battle is with cholesterol.
0: Yeah, his his biggest battle is with Colonel Sanders. Uh,
1: yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
0: um, yeah. So 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 who knows? Um the final note on this, and this is something that happened just yesterday, and this is like sort of tangentially related, but I think also important is that Stormy Daniels was ruled by a judge in Los Angeles to have to pay Donald Trump another one hundred and twenty thousand dollars in legal fees. Okay. Because she uh filed um and this was by the Ninth Circuit uh of the US Court of Appeals. She uh I guess filed a defamation suit um, back in uh, 2018 for defamation of character. Um, basically Trump claiming that um, she was lying about her claim that somebody, a stranger threatened her in 2011. Mm. So she filed a suit against Trump for defamation of character back in 2018 um, and the federal judge who oversaw the case dismissed the lawsuit saying that Trump's tweet about it constituted as quote, rhetoric hyperbole and that uh, it wasn't defamation of character. So she ended up Uh, she ended up having to pay him $300,000 in legal fees. Mm. And then she appealed that and uh, then ended up having, I guess now to pay another $120,000 in legal fees. Annoying. Yeah. I I feel bad for Stormy Daniels.
1: Yeah. uh, I mean, I
0: don't know what her her book deals or other engagements look like, but like that
1: seems- That's a lot of money for like a civilian. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And also, you know, her claim was that the law firm that he used was- uh, you know, inflating their hours and sure, sure, all sure. sorts of stuff.
1: So almost every law firm does. So. Yeah, I was
0: surprised to see that headline though, because it, obviously there's so many other things going on with Trump right now that it's just sort of like buried and yeah, uh, underneath all of the other things.
1: Yeah, uh, interesting. Well, thank you for wrapping up the the Trump news. Yeah, uh, to very briefly wrap up the movie. Yes, uh, this film was given basically a 56% on rotten tomatoes. Oh, okay. Uh it is a 52 out of 100 on metacritics. Uh it's funny the budget of the film was yeah. 50 million dollars. Okay. And the box office gross, I thought this was funny, is 50.1 million dollars. You know somebody just like edited that to be like, "See, see we're profitable. We did it." <laughs> uh and so like I'm sure that's a little bit of Hollywood accounting. Um, but the uh, you know as I read before those um, statements about the the film are pretty much what critics said. It's like uh, absolute power collapses under its preposterous plotting, despite an all star cast and what they say is Clint Eastwood's deft direction. I would argue his direction is pretty poor. Uh, but yeah, think, deft
0: is not the word yeah, I would use. People are
1: looking. People just. Love him for some reason. I don't know. I don't get it. Uh, anyway, the other thing that I wanted to cover for you specifically okay. is you asked uh, at, when we saw the logos at the beginning of this film about Castle Rock Entertainment.
0: Oh, yeah. Well, because like, I haven't Rock, seen that in forever. Castle Rock was a pretty big staple in the 90s, I I, I feel like. Yeah, I recall for sure. at the beginning of a lot of films.
1: Yep. And so this was one of the few movies that Clint Eastwood actually did outside of Warner Brothers. Okay. Almost everything he does is a Warner Brothers film. However, uh, when Castle Rock was bought by the Turner Broadcasting System back in the day. It then they then merged with Time Warner and ultimately this film became another Warner Brothers movie for Clint Eastwood. So you asked what happened to Castle Rock? It got bought and then rolled up into Warner Brothers. Okay. So that's where it is now. The uh, only other thing I'll ask is what did you think about the film?
0: It was fine. it was not a movie that I would ever choose to see in the first place. Uh, I (laughs) would absolutely recommend it to our moms. Sure. Um, Like, but uh, it's, you know, it's not something I'm ever going to watch again. And it's a, it, it was more... It was better than I was expecting, which was not very much. <laughs> uh,
1: yeah, I recommend that everyone watch Murder at 1600 starring Wesley Snipes. <laughs> uh, if you want to see some stuff where a homicide detective investigates uh, while the Secret Service is working against him uh, based off of a young woman who was murdered in the White House. Like, it's it's better. It's better. It's better. Okay. I, it's just more fun. Great. Uh, yep. Uh, so, yeah, that is the podcast for today. Thank you so much for listening. Please remember to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Also, I'm trying to have it finished by this weekend. Another newsletter coming out for me. This one is in response to a a tweet by this guy David Sims. He's a a critic for The Atlantic. He also um, hosts a podcast that I listen to regularly called Blank Check with Griffin and David. Mm -hmm. Um, And he was saying uh, when Creed 3 was announced that it was coming to VOD less than a month after it Released at theaters, so that was a bad idea. And as a person who has a background in film production and finance and all of that stuff, I decided to analyze it and see if that's actually true. So, okay. uh, it'll come out. It has pretty graphs and charts. Yay. Um I'm trying right now to edit it so that it's clear what I'm saying to people who are not math heads or you know film finance people. Yeah. Uh, so I'm going to try and break it down. Should be should be a fun one.
0: All right, I'm excited. All right, well, that'll do us, folks. You can find us on Twitter at The Crosscut and on Instagram, we are at The Crosscut Pod. You can also uh, make sure that you smash that subscribe button in your podcast player to follow us if you haven't already. Forrest is giving me a look.
1: I don't know what is going on right now. The we, caffeine
0: is kicking we gotta in. We got to get out of here. Right. Uh, but yeah, uh, make sure that you rate, review, subscribe, all of those things. Tell folks about us uh, if you enjoyed this show and have yourselves a great weekend.